Hello and welcome to another episode of Our Generation on Air. My name is Alex Bullimore and joining me this week to discuss the loss of Rother- to Rotherham, preview our game with Watford and debate exactly when in a football match it is the correct time to tie your bootlaces uh, is Dan Lambert. Dan, welcome. Thank you. Uh, have you gotten over... I'm not going to say wasting your Saturday watching the Rotherham game, but uh, have you recovered? Yeah, yeah. I mean, typically I try to get tickets to the Brighton game, which is a good game to miss. So, um, yeah, stuck with Rotherham on the stream instead, which isn't isn't always the the greatest of options. Yeah, not ideal. Uh, So, yes, we did lose 3-1 to Rotherham in uh, Gareth Ains' second game in charge. Um, now, I don't know about you, Dan, but for me, this game did absolutely nothing to reassure, reassure me that we would avoid the drop. Uh, and I, you know, by the looks of it, I don't think it's sort of given much confidence to the rest of the QPR fans out there. Um, I don't really like starting on a, on a downer, but uh, let's be honest, there's nowhere else really to go <laughs> without it. Um, so, you know, we kind of discussed on last week's pod that we needed to get at least probably two wins from the next four fixtures we've let one go by us and we've lost it and now you know we will preview Watford in a little bit more depth later on but we've got a very difficult game this Saturday so you know it's not quite gone to plan has it no no and I think you're right about the reassurance I think the the thing for me more than anything is now we're shipping goals like it's um like it's coming to fashion. Um, I think it's to have three on the three conceded on the bounce for several amount of games. I don't know the exact one, mm. but I think at least not to compare them as such, but under Critchley at times the games were quite tight. It felt like we tightened up defensively, but we just didn't have that that firepower going forward. But now it just kind of feels like we don't have it really on either end, um, which is probably a slightly bigger worry. But yeah, I wasn't hugely expecting much from the game on our form anyway, but nothing really stood out um, apart from odd glimpses that that could be positives, really. Uh, yeah, so let's start with the team news. Um, so firstly, congratulations to Aaron Drew on his first uh, league start for us. I don't know if he's got any minutes in the Cups at some point. Yeah, he played in the FA Cup last year against Rotherham, funny enough. Coincidence. Um, but, you know... Congratulations to him. Welcome to the mess that is QPR in the league. Uh, he is now burdened with it like the rest of us. Uh, Kakai moved across to left back, which I know you have some thoughts on. And then as we kind of predicted on last week's podcast, or kind of hope for, and I say hope for, sort of like we hope for in the best possible circumstances. Like I don't really see where else we could go with this, but it, it was a doma and low on the wings, wasn't it? With Martin up top. And I think that kind of, on paper, made a bit more sense. Yeah. Um. So, you know, when the, the sort of team sheets come out and there is a change when you're not really expecting one, or not that we weren't expecting one, were we expecting it to be a change? Because uh, uh, Powell finished the last game, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah, no, I wasn't expecting the Drew thing. I, I was expecting the Dome yeah. to come in. I think I said that last week. Um, so, you know, we were a bit surprised by Drew's inclusion, but when you think about it, there isn't anyone else. So really, if there was going to be a change, he was probably next off the rank. Um, so maybe we shouldn't be too surprised about it. But Dan, how much of a judgment do you want to make on Drew's performance? How did he go? 
in his first league start? Um, admittedly, I didn't like focus on him, so I wasn't watching him intently. I think he's rushing a bit of his um passing at times. No, it wasn't just him, but um, I think the manner of the game he was up against a, a good winger in Fosu um, for for his league debut. So I don't blame him in that sense. I think he was probably just like decent. wasn't wasn't like outstanding. wasn't um, really poor. He, he gave he gave it all, which um, is what Gareth kind of asks for. But um, yeah, but nothing nothing spectacular from him. I don't think. Now you may not have focused on him, but I know you did have a few comments and you focused a little bit on Kakai at left back. So you know, there's a few sort of mitigations to this. He is playing out of position. He isn't our best right back anyway. So if you know. Sometimes he can put in a less than good performance at right back. So when he's playing left back, are we to really expect that much? The answer, I guess, is no. No, no, I'd agree. Yeah, I'd agree that I think we could have really done with a left footer, um, a left back, like even if it wasn't Pal. Um, like the first twenty minutes, Benny was in behind four times. Um, now it's not it's not a Kakai thing per se, but if you looked at his um, kind of like where he's standing, his body position, because he's obviously right-footed, he's kind of got a closed closed body position. So then every time they ping the ball, it was just off his blind side, and then Ogbené could take a touch inside and, and basically threw on goal. So it was quite frustrating in that sense. But, um, yeah, it, it's not a lot he could do as a, as a natural right-footer, but um, it's kind of all we've got at the minute, to be honest, with no backup left-back. And, you know, that has been a glaring problem throughout the season you know funny enough actually the other times when Powell's been injured I think Clark Salter's actually been fit so he's been able to fill in at left back but this is kind of at the at the start of the season when the first transfer window en- ended I think this was probably my biggest worry like what happens if Powell gets injured because he's going to take on such a workload being the only left back is it going to be someone playing out of position or are we going to go with Nico? And we finally reached a point where we've got the right back playing left back. Um, and there's a lot of criticism about the club out there at the moment, but I think this is probably the one place you can genuinely criticise them in the lack of finding anyone, basically, to be a backup left back. I think this is the, the only position I'd have actually accepted a loan in. Yeah. Uh, is Nico, was Nico fit? At all, I'm just just curious because I'm isn't not saying he, he's the answer for that game, but isn't he out of love? I don't, I don't, I honestly don't know because I, I know think he, he left the club in. He in might January. have done, but if he I'll, didn't, I'll I was just, I was a little bit surprised. Not, I mean, I'm not saying he's championship required, nothing like that. I don't think that, but you think in like a in an emergency situation against someone like Ogbené who has pace and probably Nico's only strength is probably athletic ability so if you have a natural left footer and someone's a bit more athletic to deal with those balls over the top um then we might have had a chance but even even then i think that's probably still clutching um because obviously we've seen his performances against charlton and stuff like that so yeah yeah he's um he's currently on loan oh he's on loan it's oh yeah of course he's in belgium isn't he? he's in belgium yeah that 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 funny name club it is um mozambique or something? Uh, Mozambique is not <laughs> that's a country. Oh my God. Um it is R W D Molenbeek. So That's where I was that's where I was thinking of the um Yeah. 
Yeah. Sure. Okay. Go I on. can understand. Um, anyway, <laughs> uh, in general, you know, we've looked at the, the fullback situation, but, you know, further up, you've got a Domer and Lowe. How did they get on? Uh, and how, how, you know, there isn't really... We've stuck with the same midfield three as well, which is probably the one position we can actually make changes in. So, you know, one question would be, would you look to freshen up the midfield at one point, give someone else a go in there? Uh, and how did the forward three do as well? Yeah, in terms of the forward three, um, the Doma didn't really play that well, to be honest with you. He was direct at times, but loose touches, uh, as you probably expect. Someone that hasn't played much uh, first-team football for a while consistently. Um, low, he was okay. Um he had a moment in the first half where he chased a loose ball off Bailey Wright, um, got the right side of him, and then was like one-on-one -on -one with Humphreys. But uh, I guess it sums us up in the sense that we make the initial thing, we make the uh, the first move uh, and do something right, and then we go and let ourselves down in the next move by um, taking a ridiculously heavy touch and losing, losing possession. So that was probably his only real moment, apart from the penalty. Um, in terms of the midfield three, I guess we could change it. Um, I think we'll probably touch on it in a bit from a couple of reasons, but Richards will probably come in at some point. So whether he goes into the midfield three or whether he goes into, he's playing a wider right role, I think, when he came on. So maybe he comes in for a domo. Um, but in terms of the midfield three, that's probably our best midfield three we've got, um, even though Boone's not been particularly brilliant at the minute. Um, and Johansson's obviously come in. So... Yeah, I'd, I'd probably stick the same midfield through. Yeah. Um, now, I only watched the highlights, but the, what, three minutes of whatever it was, it was enough to make me feel a hell of a lot of pain to watch Rob Dickey struggle so much. Uh, before we get into the sort of nitty-gritty, because unfortunately for him, he does have a hand to play in every single goal, doesn't he? Um, and it really probably was one of the, you know, based on if I don't know, you could sort of make this judgment, but based off the highlights, it looks like one of the worst performances this season individually. Um but I think it was uh, a friend of the podcast, Steve QPR Analytics, who said that in any other team, Dickie would have been rested by now and rotated out of the squad to give him a little bit of respite and it'll get him away from the firing line. Um but we can't do that because we don't even have another centre-back fit. We don't even have, like, Kakai, who could potentially fit in at centre-back or something like that. You can't, because he's having to play right-back. The squad is so thin on the ground, and you can't really blame him for that. You know, he has made mistakes, Dickie. But something has happened this season, and it happened very early on. A lot of people sort of talking on Twitter about sort of, like, he's not good enough to play in a back four. I don't quite believe that, considering, you know how good he has been look at what I've got him move at Oxford back four yeah so it's not like it, you know this isn't like um, in the nicest possible way this isn't Barbe transitioning into the back five no. where Barbe was sort of like making a load of er errors before that um, he's been you know he was it was correct to say that he was one of the best centre backs in the league and now he's a shell of that player. And like we said, it started at the beginning of the season with the injury. He couldn't get back into the side because Bill was playing his men. 
and now Bill's men are disappearing and not and waving the white flag. So, you know, this is uh, it, it's an unfortunate situation, isn't it? Yeah, no, I definitely agree with what Steve said on Twitter. I was going to actually mention that. Um, I thought, yeah, we would have probably taken him out the firing line right now. Um, yeah, I don't know where we where we go from from here with him in terms of performances other than Ainsworth just keeps um, basically just posit- positivity with the with the whole squad and, and him in particular because com- his confidence is probably the lowest he can possibly get right now, realistically. Um, mm. So I don't really know what the criticism, even though the criticism valid, I don't really know what it's going to actually do to his um, to change his performances, if you like. So I, yeah, I think we're just going to have to like like he said, since the moment he came in, we're going to have to get behind the whole team, even though they don't particularly uh, warrant it once warrant it on performances. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so the first goal then. Uh, Basically, in the end, Hugo drifts off Dickie and there's a load of space for him to finish, isn't there? Um, but uh, dissect this goal a little bit, if you will. Yeah, well, it first starts with the ball over to the Ogbene. Um, I don't know, you could say something about the line, the, the high, we were quite high in our line, I suppose. And we knew that threat was coming, maybe we changed that slightly. But um, yeah, he, he beats, beats Kaka. Um, Puts the cut back in, and I'm not sure if they. I watched it back. I wasn't sure if there was a slight nudge. I'm not saying there's a foul or anything, but there's a slight like Hugo uses experience in a way to kind of like slightly nudge him off the ball, and he's and then and then uh, yeah, he's free with loads of time and space for a for a tap, and it's a really simple goal. Um, yeah, Hugo had um, Dicky in particular um, in his pocket all game really. The thing is about as well is kind of like you know, like you said, that sort of nudge. It kind of just just takes puts him on, yeah, and it puts you know Dickie's all of a sudden on the wrong foot. So if he was going to mm. try and sort of like intercept the ball, like I imagine like a couple of seat, say, sort of start of last season, you'd imagine that Dickie would have just sort of like put his foot in before it got to Hugo, and would yeah. have carried, would have passed it or carried the ball out himself. But it's kind of the, it, it, it seems like he's a bit lost and he just doesn't, it's, it's almost like he's forgotten what he's actually quite good at, you know? Um, and he's on the back foot and then it's easy for Hugo to bounce off him. And that makes the space, like you said. And it feels like there's, that he's got the whole pitch to himself at that point because of where our centre-backs are. Second goal, again, Hugo and Dickey coming together. And this is um, this is really sloppy from him, isn't it? Like, there's just you can't. I don't understand why he's grabbing him. You, in general, if I was a coach, I would be telling players not to be putting hands on on the opposition as much as possible. You know, there's some situations where you can't avoid it, but certainly in the box, in that sort of situation, you shouldn't be giving the player the opportunity to create something and you shouldn't be giving the referee an opportunity to make a decision because nine times out of 10, it will go against you. Yeah. I No, I'd agree on that. I think the only, I think the only like to play devil's advocate slightly, you give Hugo a little bit of time and space from across. He's more likely going to, going to get it than Dickie generally. Yeah. So you've got, you've got to be like touch tight, obviously without, without the, 
for like the pushing, grabbing stuff like it's that. The, but, it's um, the hand round the midriff that is. Oh yeah, like it's very, it's damaged. very, it's very silly. Um, yeah. And, and yeah, needless. But again, it comes down from Benny's side as well, which isn't isn't too big a, a surprise. So that was kind of the area they were, or the fullback areas they were targeting all game. Yeah, and then we have uh, obviously the penalties given, and Hugo slots it away. I looking at the highlights, I kind of thought, I mean, if Dian gets the right way, it's always kind of like 50-50 with penalties, isn't it? But if Diang guesses the right way, that's actually a pretty savable penalty. And I don't know what it was like in the game at that point, but, you know, in a what-if situation, if we save the penalty, then, you know, who, who knows what goes on from there. But um, I'm not entirely surprised that Diang didn't save it because for a very good goalkeeper, I would say his penalty record is less than good. Yeah, I'd agree. Um, third goal. Actually, let's talk about our goal in the order of things. Um, this is good play from Armstrong and Richards. Armstrong quite direct in his running. Perhaps you know, I, I don't really know where the ball goes afterwards, but he's draws the foul at least. And you know, like you said, you've been saying to us privately that Richards carried the ball up the pitch quite well. So, sort of talk. Talk us through the build-up to the penalty. Yeah, um, it's pretty much Taylor Richards that make, or makes most of it to get us out of the pitch. Um, I, feel, I feel, yeah, I don't know. Well, I've been seeing his praises for so long now, and he's been injured for most of the season that I'm kind of numb to it now. Um, but yeah, no, some good play from him. He, he gives me that direct edge at the minute, and we barely got a a direct player on the pitch apart from say Jamal Lowe that can actually like run at players properly. Um but yeah carries us up the pitch. Albeit the, the pass to Armstrong is, is quite poor at that point it's behind him. But Armstrong just takes it upon himself, goes one v one against Harding and then it's weird because at the time I didn't think it was a penalty. I thought the keep the referee was blowing for a um goal kick. But um Harding seems to just completely miss the ball and go go through uh through Armstrong. So yeah, I mean, at that point, I think everyone would have, would have taken a penalty. It was an absolute... Uh, when I saw it, I thought that's absolutely blatant. I mean, it's so late after Armstrong has made the cross. Um, you know, it's a... Whether the whether it's not actually interfering with the next sort of phases of play, it's a still a foul because he's wiped someone out in the box, you know. And it's a, it's a good decision by an EFL referee. Um, bookmark that save it because you won't hear me say that too often um speaking of i mean you know low does the business slots it away and is a much better penalty than hugel's um but that doesn't count for much when we go and concede a third you know in added on time but um richards this is the most he's played i think i actually should uh, probably have looked Coven- it up. coventry was okay. he started that so the second most he's played then probably for us because he only comes on very late into games. So he came on around sixty minutes, didn't he? Yeah. And this is a kind of thing that I've been saying to you guys in the chat, and I know that he's probably if there's one criticism I I could have of Richards in the limited time I've seen of him, um, you know the the slow the slow pass that you put out that you talked about there to Armstrong. There was a couple of passes that he made at the Reading game that were away that were a little bit sort of 
laps and there was it's just a sort of lapsing concentration. I think there's a lot of talent there, but he has got this kind of like soft sort of touch to him. It might be the wrong way to say it and it might sound a bit too harsh, but sort of like, you know, the passes need to be a little bit, they're a bit undercooked at this point. They need to be, you know, fizz it out to Armstrong, give him a chance a little bit. So that might be the one sort of criticism you can have of him. On the other hand, this is basically an untouched, unused player that hasn't actually been, you know, he's been in and around the squad. He'll know exactly what situation we're in and he's had a difficult year personally and, you know, injury-wise. But if Armstrong, uh, no, if Ainsworth, sorry, can get something out of him, this is pretty much a new signing because he hasn't been utilised at all by Critchley. Whatever happened there, he didn't respond to whatever Critchley was saying to him. If he needs a bit of, you know, sort of love from Ainsworth, then so be it. If he gets him going in these last couple of games, he could be a very important player because we just need something different. Yeah, no, I'd agree with that. I mean, I've been, I was, I was, I loved him uh, when we signed him because obviously I'd seen him at Brighton and a bit at Birmingham. I mean, like you say, he's got the talent. It's the, it's just a key matter of keeping him fit. Um, I think, I think he'll suit Ainsworth in the sense that he's a very direct player, and Ainsworth likes not not direct in the sense of long ball, but <clears throat> in the sense of running at um, defenses. I think that could work. But yeah, we've we've just got to manage his minutes really. Um, I think yeah, you are right. His his passing probably could could improve, but he hasn't really had a consistent run of games to kind of develop that. I reckon. Um, but no, I'm looking forward to it if he can put a uh, put a run of games together. I mean, even his cameos at times. The one against Huddersfield, I was really impressed with that. I thought he could have had a hat trick at one point. Um, and then what, what other game was it? Oh, I can't remember, but. He's he's had a few appearances where he's actually made an impact in minimal time. So if we can give him even sixty minutes from a start, I think I think he could he can make an impact in that sense. And we'll come back to in the Watford preview where exactly he's going to fit in. But f- before that, we do have to talk about the third goal. Um, Dicky again. I think he gets caught in possession, does he not? Yeah, I didn't. I admittedly I didn't like watch the build up to that. I think he did. Um, it, I think reading Clyde's report as well, he, he did. But um, even even after that point, we threw kind of everything at it because it was two one at the time. Um, and then they kind of hit us on the break, and then they had two spare men at the edge of the box for the cutback, and it didn't work for the first. And typically, yeah. it went in for the second time, so it was just kind of yeah. I don't know whether you could call it bad luck or whether it was because I think there was two. It was definitely Dazelle and one other player. Don't know it was who closed down the first shot yeah someone definitely blocked the first shot i don't yeah. know i can't remember who it was but, but um... i think it was a combination of two and i just wonder if it's sort of a sense of like with better awareness in the situation and a better communication would one blocking and then obviously i think probably it would be dizel marking that man you know all of a sudden it's fallen to someone who's free and no one can get out to him in time he's got an easy not an easy shot it's still a decent goal. Yeah, it's a good goal, but he's got more chance of scoring because there's less players in front of him. Um, I don't know whether there'd be much sort of credit in that sort of view, but it's kind of like I guess was it a case of we're trying, like you said, we're trying to throw everything at it just to get a point at that at that point. Um, you know, and they and things kind of go awry there, but it, that's kind of been a, 
a symptom of the whole season. The same players that are playing now have played throughout the season and they haven't really been well good enough at clearing their lines, whether that's been from set plays or whatever. There's there's always been a problem with that. So it's not exactly yeah. a surprise now, is it? No, no, not at all. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's in, it'll be interesting to see where we go from here. Well, because we did have a week's training between, um, oh, what was the first game, Blackburn and Rotherham? Yeah. And I think he said he wanted to implement patterns of play at that point. I think the first week it was kind of focusing slightly on the defensive side because that's easier to coach within like minimal time. So I guess they'll probably focus a bit more on the defensive aspect of us shipping up three goals um, ahead of Watford. Yeah. So that's a perfect time to transition. And the easiest question in the world have we got a hope in hell? <laughs> no. Okay. I'm going to say the opposite. I think this is the week where we actually win. I just had a funny feeling about yeah. it. Yeah. I also, um, I can't remember where it was, but when I was typing out this script, I accidentally typed out our win at Watford. It's just, you know, without <laughs> even realising it. So that's um, a Freudian slip. And I'm, and because of that, we're going to win. I'm like, I, can you tell that's I'm getting, desperate? That's clipped. I'm desperate. Uh, I've, you know, when was the last time we won? I, people have been saying on Twitter the Queen was still alive or something like that. We haven't. It, but Preston, like, we yeah. well, last time we won at home was Wigan, and then Preston was away. Yeah, that's so it. It just the the. It would be nice to know what a win feels like again because it would. If we lose another two games on the trot you know mathematically we won't be relegated at that point but I think you could probably put us like in the mix couldn't you because you've got that really tough run of games in April mm-hmm. um, you know the, 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 there's no time like the present to actually start picking up points um, I think we've been saying that for a while, for a while now. that's a problem isn't it um any changes to the starting eleven? I know that uh, it was quite. It, I don't know. Quite weirdly, it was sort of promoted quite a bit on the club's Twitter and on the report of the B teams game that Ainsworth watched it. Um, I didn't see that actually. Yeah, they played Swansea's under twenty ones and beat beat them three one, I believe. Um, but you know there was there wasn't any first teamers I'd say in the side unless you consider Charlie Owens part of the first team. Um, so well, I guess, I guess in terms of Ainsworth watching, there's you. I guess you can take it two ways because I think Critchley went uh, went went and watched their win against um, Spurs or whatever, and nothing happened since then. So it's just I don't know. Maybe they're making a like that a was up. that was the under 18s wasn't it? I don't, I don't, I don't know. That was the, the cup, wasn't go, it? He that went was, to go and watch yeah. a game, so I don't know whether, um, yeah, I, yeah, maybe he's looking at bringing a few in. I've heard a bit about that Rafferty pedo. Never seen him myself, but... No, it, uh, he, he scored seemed, again against Swansea. He seems to get a bit of hype, but again, he's a midfielder, I think, and we've got so many midfielders that can you afford to, to really uh, add another one into the list? I don't know. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, any changes to the eleven? Uh, I assume you would want Tyler Richards coming in. Where exactly would you... Tyler or Taylor? Did I... What did I say? Tyler Richards. Is it, is it Taylor? It is, isn't it? Yeah. Oh. 
neither of them have bloody played for us. I still get the names. We just morph them together. Yeah, I've actually um, typed up Taylor, uh, Tyler, as well. This is oh, this is a, this is an ongoing problem. This has been from like the first podcast. This has been a problem, and I... yeah. Anyway, all right, all right near Richards. the end of the season now. Richards, okay. Yeah. Where do you fit him into the eleven? Um, I guess in the four four three three four two three one type system. Either be the number ten or the right right side. I reckon. Um, yeah, it just depends what he wants to do. I, I don't know if he will take out one of the midfield. Um, that's the thing. He might take out a dome for Richards, but whether Richards is able to start fitness-wise, I'm not even sure. So he might not take the risk and bring him on like early in the second half. Um, but realistically, I can't see huge amounts changing anyway because we don't know the injuries ourselves because Ainsworth doesn't like to reveal them. Uh, but also, we don't even know the extent of Powell's injury. Um, so that could be another, another game for Drew and... Kakai left back. And uh, what are you expecting from Wilder's Watford? Of course, you know, it wasn't really, I don't think he was actually considered strong enough by the board to, for our job when we got rid of Critchley, but he has now got another job uh, at Watford. Um, a bizarre club that have sacked Billich. I, I don't even know where they are in the table, actually. I don't even know if it's like warranted for them to be tenth. sacking him. They're ten. Yeah, it's four of the playoffs. <laughs> I guess, like for them, that's not ideal because they'd want to go up on the first time of, of asking. But it's it's they're, they're a weird club, and uh, I don't know how anyone can enjoy. I mean, I don't enjoy seeing Critchley being sacked, and I didn't enjoy. You know, losing Beal at the start of the season. I I quite enjoyed Walton sticking around for a few seasons on the bounce. You know, it's not it's no fun sacking a manager because if that happens, if a manager gets sacked or a manager departs, it's not actually a good thing most of the time. Um, but yeah, what are you expecting from Chris Wilder's Watford? Are, are we going to be seeing a five at the back straight away? Yeah, I don't know. You you think it's a three five two? Um, I guess they had a, they played that kind of similar system with Rob Edwards when we played them away. Um, so I think it is it is feasible. Um, it's just whether you fit the likes of like Ishmael Asar in. Obviously, they still got regardless of their position, they still got quality players of this division. Ishmael Asar, Jao Pedro, Keenan Davis, um, um, uh, Imran Lauza, um, Chowdhury. You know the list could go on. So regardless of their form, they only need one one moment of magic and it'll just you know with our defending it don't take much does it um no are we but... thinking that it's going to be a case of them attacking kakai again down the left or our our left there right and you know kind of i mean what from our point of view probably the best the the best way to win this game is you've got to keep it at nil nil for as long as possible and hope that we nick a goal because yeah. we don't score many but that is probably a big reach, considering, like you said earlier, we've conceded three on the bounce, like or three goals in the last two or three games or whatever it is. So, you know, this is going to be an immense challenge because, like you said, even though they're not necessarily in form, they're still much better than what we've got at the moment. No, exactly. Um, yeah, I guess, I, I imagine if he moves to that 3-5-2 that he's well-known for, I mean, we saw it with Barra, um, 
a few times. They'll overload the, the sides, both of them. So either fullbacks kind of screwed in that sense. We're going to have to um, probably double up in the sense with like use the centre backs to, to kind of support them a bit more, or even the midfielders. So I guess we'll see how it goes. But yeah, I'm just not looking forward to it. They got so many, they got so many threats even on the bench. Um, and then our squad's about as yeah paper thin, isn't it? Mm. So. I don't know. Like you say, we could we could put a surprise on because you know it's in typical QPR fashion. But I think I think if we're going to get anything from this game, it'd probably be from that like, set piece and like, how Ainsworth kind of that's his strength, isn't it? And obviously, yeah. I don't think Watford are the best from set players. I could be wrong. Just briefly before we go, there was three Championship games last night. Obviously, we didn't watch any of them, but it wasn't actually that bad for us in the end. Reading and Wigan losing, so you know Wigan. If we do win at the weekend, there's a potential for a bit of gap growing there. And then obviously you're drawing Reading in as well. Huddersfield got a draw at home to Bristol City and they got absolutely dominated by the looks of things. It, when I had a look at it, I think it was, uh, I looked at it in the first half and Bristol City had pretty much all the possession and had taken all the shots and Huddersfield hadn't even got out yet. So, you know, they've drawn that game, you know, fair play to them, but, you know, not the worst set of results from our point of view last night, is it? No, I think that's probably the minute the only saving grace is the the three three teams down there aren't picking up enough points um, whilst we're we're dropping them. Obviously, that will change when we come, we play Blackpool. Birmingham below us? They had one... Above us, what? No, they're one, but all right. So the same amount of points. The goal difference is much better for them. Yeah, when when Blackpool and Wigan come about, they're the they're the big games because obviously they're below us. But even Birmingham, kind of in and around us, are, are still a is still a big game. So yeah, they're the ones that kind of will change the table in in a bigger way. Yeah. Right, that's it for this week. Uh, thank you very much, Dan, for coming on and discussing yet more misery for QPR. Um. <laughs> If you're going to the game on Saturday, try to enjoy it. Get behind the team, please. Let's not be... Uh... I know they don't, like Dan said, they don't necessarily really deserve it. <laughs> but they certainly don't deserve a hell of a lot of violent abuse and vitriol. And that's not going to get us anywhere. So, you know, get behind the team. Support them. Don't call them shit, is what I'm trying to say. If you feel like it, put your hand in your pocket buy a program. I've got a column in there this week. It's funny enough about Gareth Ainsworth. Um, because, I, and you know, it's of a rather optimistic tone because you can't slag off the players in the matchday program. I don't think <laughs> that's they'll, allowed. Be, they'll be reading it as well. Yeah, they would be reading. Oh, they don't know. Well, they get it. Don't well, some, they? some have a flick through. Yeah. yeah. I managed to get onto page 21 last time which is a big leap forward from like the second to last page so kind of I'm very interested to see where Ben Kosky's put my column this time um, apart from that Dan have you got any columns or um, stuff in the pipeline no not well columns next week but that, that we can talk about uh, but no no pieces for now there's nothing to write about to be honest with you <laughs> Right, that's uh, it for this week's podcast. Thank you very much for listening. Follow us on Twitter at Alex Bullimore 3 And Dan, you are at? Dan Lambert, double underscore. And it's at Our Generation Net if you fancy following us on there. You can subscribe to this podcast on all good podcast 
uh, apps or wherever you're listening to us right now press the follow button and if possible please give us a review uh, it really helps so thank you very much and until next time come on you guys <laughs>